0: Welcome everybody to the AMA with uh, Hashport Network and today is joining us, uh, how should I call you, Worlds of, uh, World of Ops, um, it's the nickname? Yeah, name. Uh, it's All just
1: the right. username.
0: Okay, so um, let's start from the beginning, uh, what is Hashport uh, for those who, in the community who uh, are confused or are might not might not be aware of uh, what it is. Yeah, uh, if you can uh, give us an introduction. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Hashport uh, is a enterprise grade public interoperability solution, um, and it helps to facilitate the movement of uh, different tokens uh, between uh, different distributed networks, uh, and thereby extending the functionality of, of those tokens. Um, and in order to uh, you know, remain platform agnostic as uh, as this utility is. Uh, Hashport doesn't have its own any kind of uh, proprietary token. Um, it simply users uh, bring the assets that they'd wish to move across, uh, as well as the underlying protocols token that they need for for gas, uh, and they're able to to move their their assets uh, between networks.
0: Um, so can, can you explain a little bit what uh, the relationship between Hashport, Hedera, um,
1: HBAR, uh, which, yeah. uh, which one yeah, is absolutely. which? <laughs> yeah, so Hashport actually um, enlists the use of uh, Hedera's consensus service. Um, it's a service that the Hedera network offers to uh, immutably log transactions. Uh, and uh, how this happens, I guess I can quickly walk through the porting process. So user, just much like any other interoperability solution, will um, go to Hashport, and, and the address web address is hashport.network, um, and user will go there and make a request with their supported asset uh, of, you know, they'll select which network they'd like to go to. Uh, And uh, at that point, the request for for a transaction is submitted to uh, what's known as the validator swarm. We have a group of nine industry-leading companies that uh, have formed the validator swarm for Hashport, um, and they um, authorize or sign off on every transaction that goes through. Um, I guess I can quickly um just talk about those those nine entities so the first is the hbar foundation um it's a new foundation that the hedera network uh has created to support um platforms and DApps that are, that are building on the network um we also have polygon is a, a validator for the network um and and there they fill out the network component of um of the validator swarm. From the social standpoint, uh, we have a social media platform uh, called Calaxy. Um They're also building on the Hedera network, but um, it's uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, the NBA basketball player. Um, it, that is his uh, social media platform that he's building out. Um, from a strategy perspective, uh, we have BCW Group, um, which heads up the go-to-market strategy for Hashport. Um, and is a leading digital assets consultant. Uh, from security standpoint, uh, the validator we have is uh, Hex Trust. They are a leading digital asset uh, custodian uh, in the Asia region. And uh, we also have a Hedera Council member. That's part of Hashport uh, WorldPay from FIS. They are uh, actually one of the first Fortune 250 companies to. Uh, partner, you know, in an interoperability solution, kind of like this, and they they handle uh, probably about sixty to seventy percent of the world's payments that that are happening from you know various channels throughout the globe. Um, on the stablecoin side, we have um, Stable Node, which is a big partner of um, uh, Maker, the Maker platform, um, okay. and uh, from gaming and NFTs, uh, Animoca Brands, which is one of the bigger. Uh, most well-known um, decentralized gaming platforms that, that there is out there, and then from a technology perspective, Lime Chain, uh, who helped architect Hashport, uh, fills out the technology spot. So, b- between all nine of those, we've really tried to take the approach of not only um, you know getting industry leaders, but decentralizing them in the sense that they all focus on you know somewhat different channels within. Uh, within the DLT space, and and we felt that 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 was important as well. So quickly back to to how it works. Um, So once those transactions are are submitted um, by the user, one of the validators, it could be any one of them, picks up the transaction, whoever picks it up first, or the the request I should say, uh, submits that, that request for transaction to all of the other validators for signature and once we receive a supermajority of the signatures, which is five out of nine of the the validators signing off, um, that transaction is logged to and submitted to an HCS topic, a a Hedera consensus service topic, and that's logged immutably on the the Hedera network, at which point, once that transaction is is logged, a secondary request is then submitted uh, to the smart contract endpoint of the network that the user is looking to go to, and uh, at that point in time it, the request it asks for that smart contract to mint the representative token that, that the user is looking to, to move and it's subsequently deposited into the user's wallet and the same process happens on the way back the only difference is uh, the representative token gets burnt in the process and the user ultimately if they go back to the network they came from is just left with the token uh, that they originally had in their wallet.
2: Uh, so two quick questions from that. Um, from like a practicality side, um, there there are two kind of uh, in my experience annoying parts of bridges. One is you generally don't have gas when you land on the chain that you're transferring to, um, especially uh, because Sidera is so new, right? Um, and it's not the most straightforward thing to acquire H uh, bar. Um, are you guys doing anything to specifically address that? And then the other question I would have is. Um, what are you guys doing to decentralize the validator swarm, if anything at all? I'm I'm not quite sure what the plans are around how you guys plan to expand or or what future endeavors look like, but that would be the two questions that appear at the top. Yeah,
1: and th- th- those are great questions, actually, and and you know something that we're we're well aware of in the sense that when we set out to to create Hashport, the thing that was at top of mind for us was how do we make this platform as as um, easy for a user to to operate as possible one of which and I just mentioned we don't have a platform token so that there's not you know a third or a fourth asset introduced into the porting process. but to, to answer your question directly, uh, what we are looking at it's not implemented a, at the moment currently. we are looking at uh, solutions whereby uh, you know a user ends up on the destination network and they end up getting, um a small amount of that that's that network's token um in order to you know be able to then subsequently use that that network uh when a user is and i'll have to double check this but when a user is going from and a non uh hedera based network to, to you know to let's say two evm networks eventually um that won't be the case where they need hbar to do that the, the hedera consensus service will be used in the background but the users' native assets that they use. So, say if they came from uh, Polygon, and and you know, one day eventually they were looking to go to a network like BSC, they would just be using their their native token that they have. So, their Matic to to start the transaction, um, and because they're on starting on the Matic network um, or Polygon network, I should say. Sorry, and then from there, um, what'll end up happening is whatever asset they're moving across. A small portion of that is um, charged as a fee, it's a 50 basis point fee, uh, volume based on, on what they're moving over and uh, the porting process continues. So while well, it's not there right now, what I envision in the future happening is uh, you know, a user has the token they want to move across and they already most likely have uh, the token of the underlying protocol that they're using. Um, when when they come to Hashport, so they'll be able to start their transaction right away. And then in an ideal world, what'll end up happening is the user will end up on the other side with their representative token, as well as a small residual amount of whatever that that uh, network's uh, main gas token is, so that they can then subsequently do a few transactions once they're in the ecosystem.
2: Does that gotcha. answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that, that clearly answers the question. It sounds very similar to the approach uh, Elk Finance takes, where they let you automatically swap uh, once you land. Yeah. Um So cool. Uh, the other question that um, I've found to be, or i got points I'd, I'd like to see addressed is, one of the more annoying parts of bridging is, you wind up with a token that's like a kind of simulacrum of whatever you land on. So like with all bridge, you get all... Bridge Polygon USDC or all Bridge Solana USDC, right? And then you have to go and immediately swap that. Are you guys doing anything particular to address that, or is that not currently a part of the plan?
1: That's not currently part of it, but that ultimately, you know, we might tackle that in the future. Really, you know, what we're what we're trying to do, and one of the one of the main things with Hashport, um, is actually um, DAP mobility. So one of the biggest things that we've noticed, because what'll end up happening is, um, you know, a platform will be able to um, potentially migrate their entire uh, basis of operations to a new network if, if they'd like to. So to your point, you know, the, you end up you end up with this fragmentation of you know every platform having their own version of a given token. That's not really what we're trying to address at this point right now. Um, what we're trying to do is is have users who have assets they would like to maintain control of but then be able to use the purchasing power of those assets in a new network where where there may be opportunities that present them present for themselves so it's not so much a swap as it is keeping control of that underlying asset for on the retail side of things and and being able to plug those subsequently plug those individual assets into whatever protocol that that users might ultimately request that those assets be supported on but also from a, a developer and dap standpoint you know if you're on a if you're on a network that isn't um isn't you know performant to what you need um, or you just simply like to migrate somewhere where you know there, there are character, you know, performance characteristics that you like of another network. We think Hashport will be able to enable those DApps to simply have their token supported on Hashport, and then be able to move on mass, you know, their non-circulating supply and things of that nature. Um, and you know, the their users or holders could follow suit just through hashport and then you know they end up starting building on on a different network um, one that, that they view a long term future on so it's kind of giving giving choice back to you know not having being set in stone when you you know it used to be that or it still is i should say um, you know when you start building you're kind of deciding right out of the gate well which platform am i going to to build on and what trade offs am i going to make as a result of doing that But ultimately, as time goes on and Hashport supports more and more networks and more assets, I envision and we envision a future where just because you started on one network doesn't mean you have to stay there, nor do you have to limit yourself to one network. You could also have a situation where you want to support and, and, you know, reach out to multiple networks and and multiple user bases and, and have a presence on all of those. And we think this is the solution to do that.
2: Gotcha. So that actually addresses the next question I was going to ask, which is how you're positioning yourselves in the market versus something like Allbridge or like Seller. And it sounds like it it's more specifically targeted towards protocols, pulling uh, hash port in as like a core component to allow that kind of cross-chain liquidity or actually cross-chain access, more broadly speaking. Um, and that's, that's kind of the specific bend you're taking to the whole bridging uh, kind of ecosystem. Yeah. Or at least that's the vibe.
1: Out of the gate, that that's sort of what what we're looking at right now. In the future, obviously, you know, cross chain liquidity and and things of that nature are definitely stuff we're going to strongly look at to continually add features and and value to to using Hashport. Uh, so I wouldn't rule it out. But where where we saw the need primarily to start, because I mean, there's there's tons of different interoperability solutions and tons of different you know. Um, Challenges with that, but we saw an area where it was underserved and actually might be beneficial on a on a protocol level uh, to to the developers as well as the users. So um, to answer your question, we'll 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 get there. It's just um, we think there's an opportunity first addressing this this sort of uh, pain point. Sure.
0: Um, I, I want to address that uh, the community listening, the, they have a, a channel, a text channel, so they can type questions there and we will address them or they can also raise their hand to to join us here on stage. Uh, so if anyone has a, a question, feel free to type in or raise your hand and we will um, invite you here at the end of the AMA. All right so um you you talked a little bit about this, but uh can you um talk about the bridging mechanism uh how how does it work where what, what are the pros and cons of uh uh using uh, this mechanism
1: yeah mm-hmm. I think um you know using the hedera consensus service uh for those that don't know uh much about hedera and its sort of performance characteristics in that sense um the, the consensus service is very unique in that its um, security properties and speed of it are um, world leading essentially. Hedera is one of the only networks and, and HCS is one of the only services that's actually something that's called uh, asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerant. Um, and it's actually one of the sort of highest levels of um, uh, Dlt security that you can get with with uh, a network. It's kind of there isn't anything at this point past that. So in terms of looking at um, you know logging transactions immutably on using Hedera to log transactions immutably via HCS, um, you know signaling when assets should be you know are locked up and subsequently minted or burned. Um, we viewed using H- HCS, and especially in terms of the speed that, that transactions can be logged on Hedera. I mean, right now they've got the the network throttled to about 10,000 transactions a second, um, and, and ultimately they they look to to be doing much more than that. But in terms of enterprise uses, because n- not only are we looking at um, Using Hashport on the retail front end side of things, but also there will be the ability for enterprises and dApps to connect on the API level, on the back end, um, and use the service really without anyone, you know, per- permission from anyone other than to, you know, be able to um, use HCS to immutably. Lock assets on Hashport in conjunction with the the validator swarm and and unlock assets or mint and burn and, and all all that good stuff. So um, that's why we chose HCS and, and Hedera to be the sort of the the middle locking component. Um, does that answer your question?
0: Yep, it does. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. I was checking the the questions from the the community. Um, the, there is one thing that um, the users might notice when they they are trying to to breach um, the platform used to or still does uh, ask for the private key. Uh, is that still the case? And and why why
1: uh, is that something
0: yeah. required? Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> um, in terms of asking for the private key, that is more symptomatic of how young a um, network Hedera is. There's no real uh, good solution currently for um, plugging in or connecting a Hedera account um, on a, on a front-end solution without asking for those things. Now, granted that said, uh, there's just this week um, there's there's been two um, developments or one de- main development I should say um, hashport has integrated Venly into its offering so um, users do have the ability to uh, enter the you know either their private key or seed for a mnemonic phrase um, and uh, um, do it that way it's it's not the greatest solution I, I would agree with you that said with the Venly solution um, you give up a bit of decentralization, you know, by using a solution like Venly. However, you're not exposed at that point. You're not exposing your keys, and it's as simple as you know logging in or creating an account with um, your um, uh, Google account essentially. So if you, if you were to go to Hashport now, you can use the Venly solution and, and instantly spin up, you know, one of one of the supported networks wallets uh, that they have there. Um, all of the networks that are currently on Hashport are actually uh, supported by Venly. So you could actually create wallets for for each of those uh, on Venly it, itself um, without exposing a private key of, of that nature. And then in the future, um, you know, as the wallet solutions from Hedera in specific, from the Hedera ecosystem in specific, um, get more robust. I think we'll see an implementation um, whereby you will connect much the same to sites much the same way you do with uh, MetaMask. Um, so MetaMask with, with uh, you know, any EVM-based network that, that we have right now, so Polygon, Ethereum, if you're connecting with your MetaMask, you're not exposing your your private keys or mnemonic phrase in in any way when when you do that. So I think it will it will get there. It's just unfortunately growing pains at this point.
2: Yeah, it sounds it sounds exactly like the typical symptoms of being very very early to an ecosystem is you you have to make compromises if you want the product to ship and this is just one of those artifacts that's going to exist for a while. It's going to be a weird period in history, but eventually there won't be a need for it. And like you said, there's already specific things being done to address it if people want to make the trade-off for a little bit of centralization yeah, exactly yeah
0: so um going back to to that point which uh, i I'm sure the audience understand now, but um is there any audit security audits that uh you've gone through to to ensure that um the contracts are safe you know yeah uh, defi is it's a a wild roller coaster, so people wanna make sure that uh, everything is
1: as it's supposed to be yeah yeah absolutely so uh the the contracts actually we got Omnisha to uh perform smart contract audits on all of all of the smart contracts and uh you know going forward we we regularly and, and are continuously stress testing and and you know refactoring and looking at at uh, things from every angle um, to try and, and mitigate any possibility of of any kind of attack vector, things like that. So security always is is you know first and foremost top of mind, and that's sort of the approach we've taken. You know, leveraging HCS and and you know enlisting one of the the best um, smart contract auditors out there and looking over the contracts.
0: All right. Um... One of the things that uh, we usually ask to to our guests, um, we we would like to to know about um, on a on a personal matter. Wh- who are you? Um, what? Why did you start Hashbot, Or why why did you start working there? Um, what's your background to to work? Uh, in this in this project, right? Yeah, yeah. This is
1: a very interesting question. I'm uh, and an interesting one for, for me to answer. No one's no one typically asks me about myself personally, but uh, happy happy to share a bit. So um, I got into the space about I would say just just before the the last mania of of um, crypto uh, back in uh, 2017. And um, that was my first exposure to it. At, at that point, I really didn't have a, a whole lot of understanding in what was, uh, you know, what everything was and, and how it fit in. But over the next, you know, four and a half years or so, uh, I've, I've definitely uh, taken an interest and in you know, it started out as, um, a personal interest in just you know me learning about stuff just in my free time just because I was I was very interested in, in the whole entire space um, and in particular Hidero uh, is one of the 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 main reasons that I uh, started to to look into DLT and and you know all sorts of good stuff like Ethereum and Bitcoin and all all, all those things um, and you know by trade I was a uh, financial advisor um and and had been for some time and uh you know a bit of a journeyman um doing doing a whole host of of different things but um you know in my spare time as i was saying one of the main things i had continually been doing um was just learning more and more about the space and an opportunity had presented itself to me um, late last or early last year, I should say, um, to to take part in this and and have the ability to go full time into the space, um, and it was just something at that point in time I, I couldn't pass up. It just it it's something that you know I'm very passionate about, and um, you know doing this on a day to day basis, just you know learning about this stuff and, and continually growing, um, it just was incredibly exciting. So I t- took the chance, made the plunge. And uh, here we are a few months later and, and you know, we're looking to to quickly expand Hashport to be the, the leading interoperability solution uh, you know, for, for everyone's needs.
2: One of the uh, kind of interesting things about the way that you're presenting hashport that we don't typically see during an AMA is there's a very strong bend towards um, enterprise or or uh, I guess like business facing solutions. Yep. um just kind of the language and the way you describe it and stuff. And so I'm curious how that plays with the way that hashport kind of functions and and um, if if anybody's kind of commented on that what what the reaction was before because it is very,
1: very different from what we're used to. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's something that I think is going to be a hot button topic for the space in general, just, just you know, looking at, we've got all of these, you know, new exciting, uh, you know, networks, whether they're L1 or L2 or, you know, ZK rollups or what have you, we, we have all these different sort of tools and everyone's looking at, you know, what is ultimately going to be the solution, um, I think it's a bit naive to think that we're going to end up in a system whereby, you know, there, there, there's one network or solution that, that works, um, you know, for for everything. It's it much more likely that we're going to have, um, you know, specialized networks for, for many different use cases, of which it, it seems like Every time you try and try and do something or advance, you end up at a point where you need interoperability and communication between different networks to actually pull off what you're trying to do. So when we were looking at this, it's it's great to you know be able to have users move you know their Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever asset between networks, but also you know thinking from the um, The gaming industry perspective you know if you have if you have a decentralized game on a a certain platform but you really want to make that that game ubiquitous and and give users the ability not only to play in that network but you know no matter which which network they decide to go to of of the you know the main ones that you're looking to support be able to have those you know in-game currency or assets be um transmittable between networks seamlessly that's going to take a lot of work in architecting. And, and we think that's where the space is heading. So from, from that standpoint, and then also from the more traditional business world channels, you know, with the advent of, of stable coins, um, there's obviously a whole host of regulation and different things that need to go into to architecting a solution. However, stable coins do provide a, a very unique opportunity to sort of rewrite much of how the traditional business channels and and payment channels operate. And I think interopera if you're going to if you're going to have um, a world where you're going to use DLT networks in order to to satisfy you know different payment structures and and channels, you're going to need to have interoperability between networks to accomplish that. So that, that's another exciting area is sort of looking at, at the stable coin side of things in terms of being able to, to enable um, entities and businesses um, and providers to be able to, to settle transactions cross network um, and, and be able to do remittances and things that way, which, which we're looking into with, with um, you know, several stable coins currently and, and quite a few different organizations.
2: Yeah, and that that actually connects kind of with one of the other questions we had, which was, like, how you view the future of the space moving. And I I think your your points about where the space is moving and why the space is moving in that direction and coming at it from an angle that not a lot of people take, which is the fact that, like corporations are going to move into the space. It's going to happen, right? There's there's a lot of money moving around and there's a lot of actual potential for innovation, as I'm sure everybody here is aware. And so it will be really interesting to see how that plays out. But in terms of kind of the future direction of things or the way you see things going, um, especially kind of with your uh, the way you phrased it as it's probably going to be a multi-chain world, right? Or at least that was the takeaway I took. Um, I'm curious what you think the next couple of years or more broadly, the future of the blockchain space will look like, and then what you think Hashport's role in that will be, or I guess more generically, like what
1: you think your role will be in that space. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, the next few years, I, I think I think we're going to see rapid, regardless of what happens in the markets and and, you know, the, the, monetary side of things the one thing that i've seen no matter what over these last four and a half years is doesn't matter what the markets look like people are building and and every day that goes by more and more people are building and more and more businesses are looking strongly at it or, or are already putting you know both feet in um and and are just going directly at this stuff so i think regardless of what happens we're going to end up with a whole host of innovations that that happen as a result of you know the attention focus i mean if you if you look at what the top top topics of discussion are in you know a lot of these surveys it always come it always seems to right now more and more it's coming to uh you know blockchain or DLT is, is what's at the tip of, of everyone's tongue in the business world um so i i think you're gonna have you're going to have a lot of focus on it you're going to have a lot of development power and as a result i think you're going to see rapid i i think it's going to i think changes are going to come across way faster than anyone can anticipate um, with that i also think there's going to be a whole host of of stumbling blocks to getting there um, and challenges it's, it's not going to be an easy task to to sort of re-architect systems that have been been in use for for decades or hundreds of years um but ultimately i, th- I think we will get there where what is you know how does hash play in that um you know we're looking to it, it all boils down to 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 the question of you know the, the simple question of of why why are we doing this um and, and that very simply is to streamline a user's ability to to move their assets to where where they want to go, and I think if we take that as our guiding principle, and how do we do that as easily as possible for them? It's really about working with you know new and old providers to streamline the process as much as possible, innovate with them, and provide the end user or or enterprise the ability to to create a new offering that wasn't, you know, possible before or, you know, in the case of retail users, giving them a solution that just works and it works out of the box and is is very easy to to manage. I think one of the biggest challenges we're going to we're going to see in the space is just normalizing a lot of what, you know, some people, you know, who are very familiar with it take for granted, but then giving the same kind of benefit and utility and power to a person who just wants you know doesn't want to know about the nitty-gritty or or everything that's going on they just want it to work and and know that it's you know as secure as what they're they're typically used to doing and granted it takes a whole lot to do that but I, i think that's where we're heading I 100% agree. The pain
2: points right now are around the usability like I couldn't trust my parents right now to go venture into DeFi. It's just there's too many ways that it really you can really shoot yourself yeah. in the foot. And so it sounds like 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 UX is top of mind for Hashport. Um and more more broadly speaking, you would consider Hashport a success if you're able to to provide that interoperability across chains, right? Cuz I know one of the trends that I've seen is like a company will be like, hey, we're offering NFTs, like Burger King's offering NFTs, the NBA's offering NFTs, but they're all on these separate chains that don't talk to one another, that just fork Ethereum, and then run it at uh, like pushing the boundaries, right? And and it sounds like you're more concerned with being able to bring Portability and access to possibly those chains, but at least the widely widely consumed chains in the space. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, I think that's what it, it's all about—is really giving, you know, expanding choice and, and opportunity ultimately for for you know retail as well as enterprise to to be able to architect things that will ultimately enrich the lives of of the many. Okay. Um...
0: I'm going to address one of, one of the questions uh, here. We, we've talked about the past. We've talked about the future. But uh, can we talk a little bit about the present? What What is the relationship with uh, Um What's uh, Hashport? Yeah, there? absolutely. So,
1: um, you know, when uh, looking to start Hashport out, uh, obviously, you know, connecting Hedera to Polygon and Ethereum um, were, were the first networks and uh, moving HBAR, um, and uh hbar ox i should say over to to polygon one of the first um, pools that was created for for users to be able to start hbar holders i should say to be able to start earning yield um, on their assets was the hbar ox um me or, or my stablecoin pool um, which is currently active on, on uh quick swap and uh, users can contribute to that pool right now and earn daily quick rewards, along with the trading fees that are that are happening in that pool. And uh, you know, the chiDAO has been great in in you know being a partner and supporting us in uh, giving users, specifically HBAR holders, the ability to actually have somewhere to go to start earning yield on their HBAR. Because for those that don't know, Hedera, Hedera's um, network does not have DeFi as of, of yet in its current form, so there's no real um, lending opportunities or, or loans that, that users can, can take out against their assets in that current environment. Um, but uh, the ability to to now go over to uh, Polygon and uh, take part in this pool and earn yields to start on that is great. And then you know in the future, hopefully, if the, the pool grows large enough, uh, be able to you know partner even further with chedao and be able to offer you know vaults different vaults for different assets that might come across as well um to to be able to start that collateralized lending so that really looking forward to it and uh you know so happy that that we were able to partner together that that's great um so, uh, is there uh,
0: uh, there there is a specific question that uh, why uh, my was chosen as your first um uh, Option to to do this to to give yield to your users what what was the the point to to make you decide?
1: yeah, I, I think it one of the biggest things I think that um, specifically chedow can can enable ultimately is the ability to um, provide users and and you know it's a bit further down the road, but the ability to provide users um, hbar Hbar holders in particular if we're able to eventually get a uh, Vault created on ChiDAO, the ability for for H bar holders to to be able to come across into the the um, Polygon ecosystem and be able to um, lock up their their H bar on on the ChiDAO platform and then receive the the My stablecoin, which is the most pop seems like it's the most popular stablecoin on the the Polygon ecosystem and and I know that you guys have um, you know presences now I believe on Phantom. Uh, as well as one other network, I think Avalanche as well. So... Quite a few, yeah. We're expanding, expanding quickly. Quite a few, I mean, we are expanding quickly. Yeah, the Polygon, so, polygon is... So, so, so one, yeah. you know, looking at it in, from that perspective, if users are ultimately able to bring their H bar across in this particular case and, you know, take out my, then they're able to instantly be able to um, Interact with any any you know uh, DeFi platform um, out there that that supports My, which which is many, and not only that, but then that gives them the ability to then move around between different networks with with that My, and you know go, go to different networks or different DeFi applications. So it really was about the ability that the functionality that that partnering with with Chido and and using the My stablecoin initiated. By doing that, and that's what we're looking to do.
0: Yep, looking forward to it to, to have it as. Yeah, as well. absolutely.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, what, one general question: um, What what, it, uh, what excites you most uh, about DeFi? What, what's uh, your your feelings about DeFi? And specifically, uh, not excites you, but um, if you can address uh, the past events of the wild week <laughs> that we have uh, had um recently uh, it's ups uh, up and down and yeah. uh, you know it could be it's not for the normal uh, user you know uh, to 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 leave this this kind of um,
1: experience <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's, it's it's funny <laughs> the longer you end up in the space the more you become desensitized to if if you really you know are here for the future and what the possibilities could could bring from from this space and this technology the the day-to-day and week-to-week fluctuations aren't aren't as as big a concern to you as the the year-to-year or decade-to-decade ones that that you're looking out to i think that the space is incredibly um powerful for for i mean in no time in history have we ever been able to conduct many economic social experiments simultaneously um, on you know on this many networks it's just unheard of and I think the the wild swings and volatility are symptomatic of still even you know 12 13 years in how early this this young this space is Um, you know if you look at other traditional asset classes that are out there you know real estate stocks um, gold all that sort of stuff. You're looking at, you know, looking at decades, if not centuries, of of history there. And, and here we are with a, you know, 12, 13 year old industry. I think over time, as things mature, as all these networks and, and offerings and solutions mature, and I, I mean, I'm a, I guess you can call me a perma bull on this, but the macro of it, if you look at what, you know, if you take a step back and you look at You know, not, you know, what's going to happen this year or next, but you look at what's going to happen next, the next decade or the decade after in terms of where things are trending and where people are going. um, I think the space is going to go up massively. And as a result, um, you know, the volatility is going to drop and you're just going to be left with a a whole lot of battle, battle tested solutions that end up, you know, democratizing. Returns and and you know, giving users the ability to to have a fair return on their assets or or whatever they might be doing. I mean, the space is so so diverse and broad. Um, you know, we're not even talking about all of the um, you know interesting things that could happen on a microtransactional level without users even really realizing it and and or it impacting their day to day life. But you know enabling things that, that just weren't possible before. So I mean I'm I'm incredibly excited for for all of that. And I think the volatility, if people can hang in there and, and you know gut it out over over a you know a, a major cycle, one major cycle, then they're there for life, I think.
2: And and I think to that point too, even though this drawdown was pretty vicious, it doesn't even really compare to some of the previous drawdowns, no. right? Where you're seeing eighty five of your your wealth just poof gone, right? Um, and I think to your point, the volatility is decreasing over time, right? With the limited set of data we have, we can already see that at least in Bitcoin, where the cycles are getting more protracted and um, <clears throat> the the peak to trough drawdowns are are shrinking. And so I do think I do think you have a really strong point in that um, we're seeing the space mature. And a lot of people like to compare. crypto space to the early internet and they're like but the internet had a use after 10 years and it's like yes after HTTP was invented right DARPA had the internet up in like what the 60s so we're still extremely extremely early right and again circling back to your earlier point about requiring a private key those kinds of pain points are the exact thing that indicate we're at the bleeding edge right the UX sucks and it's not a high priority because you have to get the protocol up and working before yeah. anything else. Um, and so we're we're witnessing kind of innovation in real time, and it's really, really interesting to see. Um, but it's it's really cool that you kind of share that that extreme long-term vision that um, I think people who are building in the space absolutely need in order to have the tenacity to stick it out because the volatility swings are so aggressive. Um and or the, the the value swings are so aggressive and the volatility is so high, um and so it's it's encouraging to hear that you're willing to like put in the work while all this kind of chaos is swirling around you and I can intimately yeah. relate <laughs> going yeah. through that. I mean,
1: there's no other, there's no other space like this. It's it's you know the most exciting space there is in terms of the innovation and, you know, cool things that, that everyone are trying to bootstrap together right now. And, and, you know, out of that, you know, that's what, what ends, you end up with the the world changers out of that. It's very interesting just to go off sort of on a a little bit of a tangent. Um, You know, I, I can't remember who I heard it from, but they were talking about how if you go and talk to, you know, uh, a student, a, a computer engineering, computer science um, major. You know, from a lot of places, and you ask them about, you know, crypto and blockchain and, and coding for it or anything like that. We're we're still so early that that they're kind of averse to it or or don't even know because they're not they're not directed towards that. I think when we see a sea change is where we're not going to it's not going to be like the a handful of schools, you know, across the globe that have have decided to create a small little um, niche program for people to, to learn how to how to code in the space, much the same way that, you know, we have a developer community for, you know, traditional technology that's that's absolutely massive. When that sort of switch gets flipped to where everyone that's coming through is now learning about blockchain and dlt as a as a just a, a matter of course a, a, as another facet of of learning to code i think that's where we're going to have massive explosion of of innovation and growth i mean as as much as we've grown already it's just absolutely you know bewildering i think how how far we still have to go
2: yeah and and having grown up and gone through college during the web 2 boom there are certain things happening in the crypto space right now that feel very reminiscent of those times. There's these one or two big personalities in the space that are dominating the scene, and they're the they're the wonderkin that's going to save everything. And all these other smaller, kind of companies popping up to address different things, right? And now instead of calling them companies, we call them protocols. And and the teams are completely geo-distributed because it doesn't matter where you are because the whole thing interoperates, right? But we're also seeing a sense of fragmentation in that anybody can spin up a blockchain and there's incentive to be early there because then you get to dominate that chain's kind of space. Um, And so it's interesting to see how bridging solutions like Hashport are going to wind up playing to equalize the field and also provide a, a stronger democratizing force overall. Um, so it's all it all sounds extremely bullish. You're saying all the right things to me that make me feel like like you you have the right idea about going about building. It's the same kind of ethos that drives myself. I'm sure many other people in the space. And it's really really encouraging to hear. Oh,
1: glad to hear it.
0: Yep, couldn't ask better.
2: <laughs> so um, we've been
0: reading the. Community questions. Uh, is there anything that you would like to ask uh, our community? Um, something that you would like to, yeah. <laughs> to address to the not, not very often.
1: I, uh, <laughs> I, I I get the mic to ask the question. Um, I, yeah. I, I guess my question to the community would be, you know, what are you seeing in terms of um, uh, what is the the prevailing wind and what what are the most I guess sought after things to do you know in in what you're doing day to day um, within within the space like you know every you know it seems like it moves so fast, but every few months it seems like there's a, a sort of topic of the day or something that that grabs everyone's attention and um, I'm just wondering what what users uh, are seeing.
2: All right. So, like in particular zeitgeist that's enraptured the uh, the community, like given recent <laughs> events, something like the Ohm forks kind of dominating the news, that kind of thing. Like, what, what those things are yeah. in space? Yeah, wh-
0: one user says, "New day, new rug uh, <laughs> Yeah, we we have to be careful. Do your own research, yeah. uh, <laughs> of course. There, there is a lot of. Um, of things that you you need to do your your homework like uh before investing that's that's why uh before we partner we we make sure to I guess. <laughs> to, to to find the right persons yeah so that i guess yeah.
1: maybe maybe more towards hashport you know um if you could move an asset from one network to another what asset would it be and where would it go
2: And if you guys want to direct that directly to him, uh, what's the best way yeah. to reach out to you? Is Twitter? Or-
1: yeah, we have um, we have uh, Twitter, we have um, Instagram, email. There's there's support at Hashport. Um, but you know, we're going to start doing a lot more polling. I think in terms of trying to ascertain what what people would like to see in terms of things supported. Also, if anyone is a developer. Um, and they have a platform they're working on, and they'd like to, you know, again migrate, like I was talking about, or have their assets placed on other networks. Please, please feel free to reach out. Um, we're always happy to to talk about that and and look at integration efforts.
0: Um, I'm gonna share your your socials here so people can can follow you. Uh, I guess uh, it's Telegram or Discord.
2: You've made- um,
1: you know, that's. We don't we actually, in terms of um, Telegram, it's just an announcements channel. The best way would be to follow us at Hashport Network on Twitter. And then, you know, we, the, the message line is open there. Anyone can send a message to us via Twitter.
2: So everyone should just slide yep. up into those links, exactly. is what you're saying.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Wolf of Ops, for, for being here and we will looking for be looking forward to have HVR bolts and more more integrations and collaborations in the future with uh, absolutely Chibali.
1: Looking forward to it. thanks very much for having us